How do you make business problems disappear? Wrap them in bacon. For business owners, marketing execs, and anyone trying to grow your business, pump your profits, and make more while doing less, welcome to Bacon Wrapped Business with Brad Costanzo. Sizzling hot business advice guaranteed to make you fat. Profits? Every week our chefs will serve you proven recipes for ramping up your revenue. Now here's your host, Brad Costanzo. All right, welcome back to the show. This is Brad Costanzo, and today we're going to talk about something that every single one of you out there either has or should have, and that's called an offer. And an offer is different than the product you sell, and it's different than the service you provide, and we're going to go into exactly how and why I say that. And I've brought on as a guest today a guy who's known as the Michelangelo of offer creation, Adel Amarsi. Now, Adel is a friend of mine. I was recently on his podcast, and the one thing that I have to warn you is that we may talk a lot about offer and copy and creating very compelling offers, but we might not. We might talk about a whole bunch of stuff because the last conversation we had was so interesting talking about uh, various aspects of the mindset of an entrepreneur and uh, some of the issues we see today and some of the issues that we both face. Uh, It was a lot of fun. We may roll into that topic again, but we're definitely going to talk about some ways that you can really understand uh, the power of an offer, but also the perils of getting it wrong. Adel, welcome to Bacon Wrap Business. Dude, Brad, thanks so much for having me on the show, man. I appreciate it. And I'm glad that we actually, uh, I got to interview you first, just simply to set the bar for ourselves and our conversations. Exactly. Exactly. It was fun, dude. I had a lot of, I had a, I had a really good time. And we forgot that we were recording. We just kind of went off on a tangent, and I'm looking forward to listening to it again. But um, so, let's jump into something meaty for these folks here. Now, first of all, you're over in London, right? Yep. Correct. What, t- what time is it there right now? Uh, it is 10:55 in the evening, Stay which is hilarious. I'm staying up late today. I'm burning the midnight oil, but what's really funny about it is we've been trying to get this show ready for the last 25 minutes, yeah. and technical issues be damned. <laughs> We're eating into your sleep time, though, your beauty sleep, So, and you're about to take a week off, right? A little sabbatical. Yeah. And this was something we talked about on our episode is the necessity of taking a sabbatical sometimes and just letting yourself decompress and shake off some of the mental cobwebs. Oh, definitely. I mean, all my clients that now have your email address, FYI, so any messages they get back from me going, email Brad Costanzo, ah, this is his fault, I'm taking a week off, so they'll just like yeah. be coming at you now. Well, I'm just going to start charging them. I'm going to get that monies. <laughs> it works for me. That's how you sort it out. <laughs> exactly. So let's talk about uh, let's talk about offers, man. What um, The Michelangelo of offer creation. First of all, you your primary business model is explain that to me because there's copywriters out there and I know you do a lot of work writing copy but you know I, I guess yeah. let's let's preface it with this I just told everybody you're cool let's back that up talk about some <laughs> of the people you've worked with and some of the offers you've worked on and some of the big stuff to where we can get people to go like oh damn Brad's not blowing smoke okay cool so I'll give you guys a very quick two minute intro who I am so you kind of know where I'm coming from with this so I've been writing direct response since I was 12 Uh, I've been doing it professionally since I was 18 as of the time of recording this we're heading into my 17th year as a direct response copywriter that gets paid for my 11th year as a pro 
did over $400 million by the time of the show. Some of my clients have included in the past Jason Hornung, Jay Abraham, Shane Hunter, Carissa Hill. Um, that's my cat in the background. He's not one of my clients, I promise. It's not a child. Um, we also have, like, my list of people I've worked with is so lengthy that I can tell you right now that I've even written for, like, indirectly for Tony Robbins. I've written for Tony Robbins' kid. Um, Merrick Glazer and, you know, Erica Martin, those guys are like clients of mine as well. And essentially, if I really showed you the full body of my work, there's about 250 markets I've written for from everything from selling vacuums over direct mail to $15,000 retail, uh, was it real estate programs to like every internet marketing, dating, self-development program under the sun. I've somehow What's, had a hand in crafting those. Have you got a favorite um, offer that you've worked on? Ooh. It's uh, hard, it's hard oh. but I mean, a lot of us have been like, man, th- this one just either did, e- either one that because of you, it did so well, or maybe your favorite for another reason completely. Okay, I'll give you two. There's one that was, uh, there's three actually. There's one of my favorites that actually bombed like genuinely bombed it was a terrible idea but the reason it was my favorite was because it actually proved a point uh, that i was trying to make to my client so that was lovely uh my second favorite offer that actually uh, we're not getting into that one because it's a bit of a weird one my favorite offer ever was probably a oh god this is gonna be a hard one it's probably going to be writing for a continuity product that um a friend of mine whose name I can't really say, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, he had a software business um, online. And you might know him, but at the time he was selling a very high-end WordPress theme as his main business, and he had a ton of little major plugins around it as well. Okay. And essentially what happened was when he hired me, the reason it's my favorite was because he hired me at the time, I think I was 21 years old, hired me and told me that he needed it done in like a week. He paid me, I think he sent me the money at 11 o'clock at night on a Tuesday. By 5 a.m., six hours later on the Wednesday, he received an, e- received an email from me. I had all the emails, the sales letter, the upsell copy, and um, I think the uh, downsell copy as well for it. It was a continuity program. He ma- Instead of like waiting until the Friday to mail it, he like knocked out the sales page, got it up and ready, and, you know, sent it out and he sent back the screenshot testimonial on the Friday. Huh. It was $25,000 a month created just from three emails I'd like written for him. Wow. So it was like, and, and the thing is I followed up with him a year later from the initial $25,000 generated in that three day period, his continuity rate as in like usually you have a 30% drop off every three months. So you need to replenish. His was only 10%. He, he lost oh. only 10% of his um, monthly buyers down to this one simple thing because we built it into the email sales hook and the sales letter to actually keep them on board. Um, one of my favorites that I'd actually, I'd actually say as well is in the self-development market. And the reason it's my favorite was because the impact it had. It was for a suicide prevention offer. It was basically helping men express their emotions. Yeah. Um, specifically those men that are actually right on the edge between I'm going to kill myself and I have um, that that's the last resort like it's either this or I die so it's like it's it's game time it's not the it's at the end game um, I wrote that ad in six weeks um, obviously me having been through something very very similar in my life 
uh, it was quite simple for me to actually relate to them in that sense. And around it, they just... You've been suicidal before? Uh, I've tried to kill myself seven times before I, Whoa. Turned, before I turned 18. So See, I, I guys, said, I to- guys, I told you you don't know where these sh- this show is going to go today. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, one really? of the craziest things. Like, um, I'll, ju- I'll get on that in just a second. But, like, the yeah. suicide prevention thing for the soft development market was the most impactful because... When I wrote it, I actually used my story. It was uh, the story I'm going to tell you guys right now. Um, when I was 16, I think, the only reason, reason I say I think is because my brain is still hazy due to this event. Um, I'm diagnosed bipolar, by the way. I'm also dyslexic and I have ADD, which is hilarious that I'm a writer, by the way. That I write <laughs> for a living and I'm dyslexic. Yeah. Um, so I want you, like, you have a pen next to you, right, Brad? I do. Right, okay, so you know where the nib is? The nib? Like, where the pointy thing... Where oh, the, yeah, yeah. Where you, yeah, the nib. What I want you to do is I want you to hold the pen in front of you, and where the nib is is where my head would be. And I jumped straight as a pen would uh, off a seven-story car park, uh, headfirst into concrete. Um, I should have crushed the top what? of my skull and died, or at least snapped my neck. Um, Did you land and- on your head? Yeah, I landed straight on top of my head. Seven straight stories. on top of my skull. Seven, Seven stories, stories didn't die. Did not die. I literally blacked out a second or two before I made impacts. So I didn't feel anything. Um, so I'm not really sure if I landed on top of my skull or if, like, by some weird accident, I popped my head forward. All I know is when I woke up, I could taste cement and I was on the side of my, uh, the left hand side of my face was in the ground. Um, and I got up with two bruised ribs and some internal bleeding. That's all I walked away with. No broken bones. How the hell is that possible? No fucking clue. My exact words are miracle, one-time-only deal. Granted, I tried to kill myself like two or three more times thereafter. To well, really, obviously like, two or three more miracles because you're still here. <laughs> yeah, but nothing to that extreme. I think I just got a little bit like, I was like, damn, I'm never doing that one again. Because I'm scared of heights. So I thought conquer two fears at once, right? Dude, but, uh, yeah, I literally didn't know it was, it was going to go this way. But it's uh, it's interesting <laughs> because um, I have been well, just in the past couple months. I have been uh, much more deeply involved in uh, working with bipolar mental health issues. Um, so I've got a client through you know through my other partner client Frank Shamrock. I've got a, a new client named Moro Ronaldo. I don't know if you know who Moro is. He's actually, I think he's over in yeah, London. Yeah, no, right no, no. I, I know. Wait, Ronaldo, as in he did the whole podcast with Boss Rutin? Yes. Yeah. yeah so yeah, he's know, one of the top Mauro. combat sports announcers in the world. He called the Mayweather Pacquiao, Mayweather McGregor fight. He's on, you know, WWE's NXT, Showtime Sports. Yeah. And um, now, have you seen the. Did you know that um, just this past month over on Showtime Network, um, there's a brand new documentary, and I can send it to you, uh, called Bipolar Rock and Roller, all about his life and how not only his struggle with bipolar, but how he's at the top of his industry despite or sometimes maybe even because of his bipolar disorder. And ha- But it's debilitating. Uh, it's absolutely debilitating for him, and yet he's still at the absolute top of his game. And he risked everything to tell his story and to come out and help to end the stigma. His, he's got, his new nickname is Stigma Smasher because his whole thing is how to... How to um, like really bringing awareness to this and helping people overcome the stigma of saying, "Listen, I'm fucked up. 
Like I've got issues. I've got bipolar. I'm, you know, whatever. I need help. And it's okay to reach out and say you need help as opposed to just holding on to it and thinking that you're broken. Because as you know, like mental health is still like that one thing where it's, you know, it's, it's okay to say, hey, I'm an alcoholic, I'm this, that, or the other. But if you say, look, I, I'm mentally ill, it, it there's a stigma surrounding it. Yeah. So I've been working kind of as his brand manager and helping him to get uh, more exposure to his message and create a more social activist role for him. And in doing so, I got to go to New York City for uh, the premiere on Showtime of uh, Bipolar Rock and Roller and um, work a lot and kind of like hear his stories. So it's been really eye-opening because I mean I'm I'm eighty I'm ADD as a mofo, but I'm I'm proud to say that like I think that's my only real I guess <laughs> issue that I know of. So and mental illness has never been a part of my family or my friends that I've known. Uh, so this is kind of new to me, but it's really eye-opening when I start to meet people and talk to people who've had those issues, um, and my heart goes out because it. it I, like I, I can't even imagine except a couple of times when I was doing some research and I got on the Reddit, um, yeah. like Reddit subreddit for depression. And Oh my God, if you ever want to like really understand, like, I mean, people are burying their souls there and it's just, I mean, I was in tears reading some of these things, but not to go off on that diatribe, but I, you probably didn't know that I was working on this, uh, stuff in this no, mental yeah. health, health stuff. So guys, I told you hey, offer creation. <laughs> That's one thing. Adel and I get on the phone. Who knows what yeah. rabbit trails we're going to take? Oh, dude, it's it's one of those things. Well, I will say this much: if you're still listening to this, and I urge you that you continue to, to continue listening, anytime that like Brad and I get on the phone, and it's not just on this call. We've had calls outside of being on each other's show. We will go down rabbit rabbit trails like crazy and rabbit holes that you wouldn't believe. But somehow they would make so much sense that what we were talking about previously bring it completely <laughs> to light. We're going to tie it so, all back together. Yeah, it's the thing that you do. You just create like a bunch of little rabbit holes and then bam, it just has like one big destination like where Alice you want to be. in Wonderland, exactly. Pretty um, much. So, so, and was it really just like the depths of depression and bipolar and chemical things that you don't understand? Or were there other stuff or was it just... Oh, dude, those like, triggers. They were, they were triggers. Like I, the, the, I don't really talk about my childhood all that much, but it wasn't the greatest fun in the world, and I basically had to force myself to grow up very, very quickly um, because of the situation at home. And you know, I was actually having this conversation with a friend of mine this morning how I how the brain changes due to trauma. Yeah. And I've had uh, three. Oh, well, I had nine if we're counting the seven, but I count it as one big event. If we look at it, there are three big traumas in my life that shaped who I was. The first one was when I was three years old and I cracked my head open um, because prior to that, I was the little bully shithead kid that no one wants to be around. Sorry, I swear a lot from time That's to time. So quite all right. Yeah. Um, that was one, and that changed me from being the tough kid to being the sensitive kid that would cry all the time. The second one when I was 11, uh, and I'd started, I think it's, would it be middle school for you guys? Because I don't know. Is that, oh. is that middle school? Yeah. Yeah. So I was 11 years old. Uh, I had a 16-year-old kid punch me in the face, and then I tripped up on some stones playing soccer. Um, I suck at playing soccer, by the way. Basketball is definitely more my sport, as is martial arts. But I was playing soccer to fit in with the other kids. Uh, and I hurt myself, and I remember having this conversation in my head that was like, you're in, you're in middle school now, you can't cry. Because um, I used to be the crying kid, and I was like, you got to toughen up. So that was the second thing. I toughened up real quickly. I stopped crying until I was like 23. 
And the third big one, realistically, was when I was 18 after my last suicide attempt. And that was emotionally triggered because a girl, that I, like the first girl I'd ever fallen in love with that accepted me for who I was with all my faults, all my chips on my shoulder, the whole lot, um, she accepted me for who I was. And because of that, I just fell in love with her. Um, and after we broke up, because we broke up in a pretty pretty harsh way, um, I kind of like turned to business and just threw myself right into what I was doing at the time, which was starting a network marketing company. And I just threw myself into it. And through self-development, I started to see the light on the other side. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, so that's that's essentially how uh, I, I turned that ship around. But to say I don't sometimes get those feelings is, is a lie. I mean, the reason I'm taking the sabbatical is because for the last three weeks straight, I've written, I'm, I'm writing for like six separate clients right now and helping them create their offers. Oh man. That gets draining really quickly. Draining, when like, draining, writing for one is hard. Yeah. Like, especially when you've got like so many on, on like the run pile as well. You're like, I gotta do all this. And on top of that, I'm preparing for a jujitsu competition as well. I'm like, damn mm. brains everywhere. But there is a system to this. Well, so now, do you still, like, I mean, do you just do you have to actively manage? Like, do you go through bipolar um, issues still, or have you got it a little bit more evened out through self care? Uh, I actually do go through it, but there mm-hmm. is a system that I've put in place for it. And yeah. if you don't mind, I can share what it is because like yeah. people, uh, you I'm might sure there's other people to... out there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you go through any of these symptoms, I mean, by all means, sort this out. I'm not a doctor, so I will preface that. I'm just some guy that likes experimenting on himself a lot and figuring shit out. Um, so the first thing I do is I have a constant supply of 5-HT, uh, HTP in my house. Uh, that's a thing. That, it's a medicine. It's a supplement that boosts serotonin in the body. Yep. Um, so anytime I, I can usually feel like I'm going to be having a bipolar situation where I just feel sad or whatever it is. And, you know, the transformation work I did 90 days ago helped me really understand this. But when I was going through the depths of it, I'd feel really sad uh, and depressed. And almost, I wouldn't get suicidal because I wouldn't allow myself to get that low. But I'd feel like I don't want to do anything on certain days. Yeah. The, the thing is, when you hit that point, the last thing you want to do is beat yourself up for not doing work. So what you really need to do more than anything is understand that, yeah, your client might be pissed off at you, your friends might be mad at you, your boss might not like who you are. Inform them what's going on. That's the first thing. Let them know. It's like, guys, I'm going through a bit of a situation. I just need a rest day to relax. And if they don't understand, fuck them. They're, they're going to go away anyway. It doesn't really yeah. matter. But if they respect you and who you are and they know what, you can, what you're capable of doing, they'll be like, okay, yeah, cool. Take a day off. Relax. Enjoy yourself. And on that day, all I want you to do is find three or maybe five activities that you genuinely love doing. Like for me, it's, um, I'm an extrovert, so I love being around people. But when I get like that, I don't believe I'm worthy of being around people. So what I do is I call two of my best friends and I say, let's go to the movies because it means I'm around people, but I'm in a silent room. So I can feel isolated, but physically I'm surrounded by people. So I go to the movies. Afterwards, I feel a little bit better. My friends and I had this little discussion about what we loved, what we didn't like about movies, all this, that, the other. I come home. Uh, we we get we either get dinner or I make dinner because cooking is a great way for me to actually feel expressive and you know get it all in my own head. 
I play with my cats because animals are amazing. If I had a dog, if I could have a dog, I'd have a dog as well, but I can't for my apartment, so I've only got cats. And um, then the last thing I really do is the evening of, I make a list of things I want to do the next day. Like these are the tasks I want to complete the next day. And I sign off by just saying to myself, I commit that tomorrow these things shall be done. And I will be kind to myself every single moment, every single time, every single hour. And then I'll just signature and date it underneath it. And finally, before I go to bed, because it's kind of a big thing, so that's the side. Right before bed, I'll take out my journal and I'll write five things I love about myself. And it'll just be something, it could be one of those moments where you don't feel like writing about yourself because I do have that from time to time. I pick really random things, like I love the way my eyes look, I love the fact my hair is growing, or I love the fact that I'm, you know, I'm six foot tall. I like the fact that, you know, I love the fact that I can train, that I live in London, that people, I have friends like Brad Costanzo, who's an amazing catalyst. Um, just shit like that. So I just look at it and kind of go, I make a note of all these things. And then I just smile, say my thanks to it, and go to sleep. And if you have one of those overactive brains where you can't really go to sleep, one of the things I found that really helps me is there's an app on, um, I think Android as well as the iPhone, but I have it on the iPhone, and it's called Relax M or Relax Melodies. Nice. Um, I just put that on, put it on a low level so it's not loud enough for me to hear, but it's not quiet enough for me to just like so not listen to. So it's like a good little pitch. I just leave that on the side, play it, and go to sleep. And I sleep for however long I need to. I don't wake up to an alarm. I get up the next day. I stretch out. And I just basically, you know, I spend the first hour of that morning doing a self-love routine. It could be eating breakfast. It could be playing with my cats. It could be going for a walk or going to the gym for me. Come back. And that's when I start my day. I'm like, I've got a commitment list. I need to get it done. We're done. So that's pretty much how I deal with it. Yeah, that's how I deal with it. Well, yeah. As a uh, as somebody who's you know new to this this world, um, and the more and more people that I talk to about it, the more I realize that you know you uncover this fact that a lot of you know and mental health, especially. I mean, it's a huge spectrum. I mean, there's every everybody struggle. Like nobody is one hundred percent perfectly mentally healthy. We've all got issues. We're all yeah. dealing with some shit. And sometimes it's just a bad day. Sometimes it's, we get moody, and other times it's the other extremes. And I think that that having those systems of self-care is so important to kind of recenter you and ground you so that you don't hit the ground again and jump off a building. Fuck, dude. Oh, I can't yeah. believe you <laughs> seven floors. Yeah, I'm still alive. That's the crazy thing. It's like I've got no wounds on my body. I've not got like a cracked skull or anything. It's like the most insane thing ever. I was actually going to jump on and just say this one thing, though. Um, if you're like me and you have a really hard time expressing when you need help, which I do actually have a very hard time doing. Um, what I found that really helps is I created a code word for my friends. Um, so if I text them this code word, they just know, right, I gotta drop the stuff, I gotta call him, I gotta make sure he's okay. And I th my code word is um, joke is wild. Yeah. Because um, fun fact that very few people know about me, and I think Brad definitely knows about it. I think you know this about me, is I did voice acting for a really long time, and I basically mastered Heath Ledger's voice for the Joker. Well, I actually like, didn't know that. Oh, seriously, no, I, I can do that for you after the show and stuff, or during whichever one, but it's... You know, after, we gotta keep... We, well, d at the end of the show, keep all these mofos listening. 
Oh yeah, no, you guys are in for a treat because I'm actually going to do something for Brad in that voice. <laughs> uh, but what it is is like it, that alone, because I identify with the joke so much in like so many different ways with the hystericalness and whatever it is, because he's, he's a crazy genius that mm-hmm. had one bad day. Um, and it's just a constant reminder for me that like, hey, one bad day could either end it all or save someone else's life. So yeah, exactly, you know, you got to go out then have an impact on people. So I guess that, that answers the question of why that was one of my favorite pieces I've ever worked on. That's fantastic. That's a, that's a nice way to kind of bring it back around. So let's get back into business as far as uh, offer creation. So define for the audience, what is an offer? Okay, and what is so, it not? Okay, so uh, I want to quickly just acknowledge Brad for this one. He's the one that kind of dubbed me the Michelangelo of offer creation. Just simply after like we had a conversation, he saw what I did and was like, "That's what you do." And I was like, "I'm totally taking that." Uh, um, but what I was going to say very quickly. So, what is a offer and what it is not? So let's start with what it's not. An offer is not. Um, it's not writing copy. Okay, it's not something that you have to strenuously wonder whether or not you want to give to people and have people come on board and it's not a cash grab so once you have those three notions out where it's something that i'm doing because i have to i'm not comfortable offering it's not a it's essentially just as long as it's not a cash grab that's all it is okay that's set that aside what is enough what is enough is quite simply this it is something that you're completely aligned to that if I asked you at three o'clock in the morning while you were in a high drunken stupor and said, all right, tell me what it is that you do for people that you can just go, hey man, this is what I do and this is how I get it done. That is essentially building around your offer and who you are. The actual idea of creating said offer is how do you package what is your vision into a way that people can actually buy either as a service or a product. So the best image I can give you for this is imagine there is an orb, like the sun is right there, like that's the sun and that is your core message, who you are, what you do, who you serve, all the fun avatar creation stuff, right? Now the solar system around it, each section out is a different offer based on what it is and how close someone can be to you. So. Bear with me one second, because my uh, solar system and knowledge is a little bit out of date here. What's the cl- it's, it's Jupiter that's closest to the to the sun, right? Yeah, what Jupiter was- and then Saturn. Okay, so you have Jupiter. That is kind of like your one-on-one office. Like you can work with one-on-one. When you say the clo- like the closest planet to the sun. Yeah. No, that's Mercury. Okay, so I'm gonna pull out. I'm actually gonna pull out the solar system. So yeah. Um, not Dola, but solar system. So Mercury is basically the hottest offer that you have. Okay. Right, so that is the one that people come to you for the one-on-one work that is the best way for people to hire you to work with you. That's offer one. Offer, and that's your high, high ticket product. Offer two, which would be your Venus, that's your secondary level product where it's kind of like a done with you system. So if you were, say for instance, it was copy that you were creating or it was offering social media consulting, you'd have social media consulting as your Mercury offer. People would work with you, they'd pay you a lot of money to work with you and you help them out, you're quite involved. 
your Venus offer would be something like, here's a six-week intensive that I work with you. It's anywhere between three and a half thousand to ten thousand dollars for these six weeks. And what we do is we sit down and I show you how to build out your own profiles and do it yourself. Your Earth offer that is basically someone can buy and do in their own pace and time. Um, and it keeps going out until you've got like you know your freebies and giveaways. They're on the outside of your solar system. Mm-hmm. So that as they get closer to you, they get warmer and they get more nurtured and so on and so forth. Um, that's what that's one way of looking at it. The other thing, what an offer is, it's not just writing the copy. It's not just the product. It's not just the service. It's a combination of all of those things. Because an offer is essentially the difference between... How do I put this? Buy this right now, and here are all the reasons why. Right. So okay. when it comes to when it comes to creating uh, the offer, sculpting it, working with whether it's your own or somebody else, where do you have a process by which you start to get to the core elements of the offer? And yes. Oh my God, yes. I'm so glad that you asked this. Okay, so I have. There are three things that I go through. One, and they're all different checklists and systems so i'll give them all to you very quickly right now so the first thing i look at is the service and the first thing i do with a critique of any client that comes to me to work with me is i critique their service what are you offering how long is it for what price point are you going with and why right mm-hmm. and i do the same for the product i look at what are your product what's your product what's it like what are you doing what are you covering what's the end result how will they feel what's the story behind this because the service is easy to get to, I, I did this because I'm good at it. Offering a product, you got to have a story to why it's created and how you got to this conclusion. So that's number one and two. That's like researching, that's researching that stuff down. Because once you have those, it moves you to the third checklist, which is my 15-point checklist of understanding how to write said offer. So to backtrack for a second, when you're going through service-based offers, I'm looking essentially for... Is it the right fit? Are they charging the right amount for the audience they're speaking to? Who is their best person they've worked with in the past? Can I interview them? If I can get these four things down, then I actually understand their service better than they do and why someone bought, what's going on. So I understand the angles and ideas of the offer that could be given to the right person because you know you can make an offer for 200 bucks for something but in reality, it's like a $10,000 offer. Just a person doesn't understand the value, and unfortunately, neither does the marketplace. So they get gypped, and they struggle for clients, and they just keep driving their prices down low because they're thinking that's, the price is too high. Where in reality, the price is too low. They need to raise the prices. It's a whole different conversation to have. The second with the product is very similar. I need to know the story of how someone arrived at this product creation stage, as in what the end results are, why they would go to where they're going to, and what they're looking to achieve, including their story, their best testimonials and case studies, and how I could speak to them and incorporate that. Because again, very similar to step one, if I can understand why someone bought what they're looking for and how they're doing it, it's great. Whereas at the same time, I'm sure you've seen this yourself, Brad, is when someone buys an info product, sometimes they get fire hosed with content and information that can be streamlined into a couple of hours rather than a couple of days. Like, I'm sure you've watched an hour-long video where you're like, I got everything I needed from this 20 minutes ago. Yes. And you're like, why did you keep talking for the last 14 minutes? Shut up and just give me the thing I wanted. Mm -hmm. So I look at it that way and go, 
if that product is waffling on, if it's talking too long, if it's going on random tangents for too long, how can we downsize that? How can we bring that back to what it is? And once we've got that down, great, now we have the next steps on, which are the checklist for writing ads. Um, namely, how to sell your down thing. Now, when I have, you have to have the first two things done because that is your research and you gotta sharpen that ax. You gotta understand why, why the audience is there, what they're feeling, how they're going through that. And again, we'll get to that in a minute. When I'm writing the offer, it follows these 15 steps. So the first thing I look at is a beneficial headline. Can I write a beneficial headline? I look for, and this is where it is, where it's product service. I look for the most beneficial thing that my client can offer or I can offer and put that into a headline. This curiosity driven promise is something that's beneficial. The second is the sub headline. And this is to continue on the conversation they're having. So if the headline was something like, uh, if I ask them a question that I know is a yes, like, is your, are you getting the most from your social media Sorry, are you getting the most from your social media? It's a pre-headline. Your headline would be discover how you can increase your organic reach while lowering your advertising costs and be seen as an influencer in your marketplace. Then you know, then read every word below. And the subheadline to that would be, or if that's to discover, the subheadline will be, um, if you are a coach, consultant, business owner, speaker, whoever it is that you're targeting, or even a health professional, whatever it is. Um, that is feeling any uh, is feeling like uh, is feeling like they're stuck in the shadows. That they're, they're not being paid what they're worth, and feeling uh, and driving down your prices just to fit in. Stop that behavior starting now. Here's why, and that's your pre-headline, headline, sub-headline mixture right there. So that's first two steps really, because pre-headline is not always used, but in this case it was. Right. Then you have. Then you have your opening paragraph where people mess up on. Your opening paragraph needs to continue the story. And this is what I mean. Um, a lot of people go from that subheadline directly to the dear friend or let me introduce myself phase. You've seen that, I'm sure, right, Brad? Right. right. So if you have that interstitial where it's kind of, because it's almost as if you're talking, okay, if you're out on a date and you spoke to a person and you promised them to, to talk about something, and the first thing you did was the pattern interrupt of a hi, my name is Adel. Their mind's not going to be like, I don't, I don't want to know who you are right now. I want to know what you were saying. Mm-hmm. Keep going back to the promise because I want, I want you to expand that promise. Right. And that's what you do. You go back to it in that opening paragraph and you just say something along the lines of, before social media became a big thing, people were using uh, traditional media and PR in order to become influencers, celebrities, it was much harder back in those days. Today, with the advent of social media channels like YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, you can quickly become a celebrity in your marketplace, garner the influence that you need to allow you to have the lifestyle that you want. But there are certain rules, there are certain etiquettes, and there are certain um, parameters that you need to be aware of in order to achieve this. And I'm going to be sharing. I'm going to be sharing those with you in this letter, but before we get into that, let me introduce myself. Do you see how you build up even more of an interest to read the rest of the letter? Exactly, I like yeah. that. Then you do the introduction to who you are. You know, hey, my name is Brad, this is who I am, I'm known as the Catalyst, this is all the stuff I've done, yada, 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 and then you kind of go into the story of how you got to the service or products that you're offering. So if you're a service-based person, like for me, it's writing ads, so the way I got to where I am would be, um, 
by when I turned 18, uh, I decided to join that marketing company. I grew very quickly, but me and my upline had a falling out. Long story short, I essentially had to find a way to fend for myself. So I decided to create a blog on blogspot.com. So it was like some URL.blogspot.com. I wrote an article on there about how to join my network marketing company and why that was the right thing to do. And I put it out on Facebook. I just sent it to 10 people on Facebook. From those 10 people, seven of them decided to join my network marketing company that day. So a 70% conversion. That's how I got to where I am. So I can talk about how that is one story to get to how I got into understanding how to write advertising and copy and the rest of my story from there on in and build that out with you. If you're offering what you do as a product, what you essentially do is just tell them the story. It's like, I don't know, uh, it, say it wasn't you, but it was someone else that you collaborated with, or it was you, and you didn't actually go do this. Um, you could just say, health, for instance, is I was uh, I was training one of my clients, James, let's call him James, I was training one of my client, James, and I realized that after a while, he couldn't get any more gains, and we didn't know why. It wasn't until I sat down with him and started really looking at his diet, his lifestyle, and what he was doing, that we truly understood that the outside aesthetics of his healthy body was just carrying a disease-ridden internal parasite that wouldn't allow him to get to the maximum potential he was he was able to achieve. And and then you go into the whole story of how you came into the discovery of this product and how you created it. You created this offer essentially from the sheer idea of helping another human being. So you've established your beneficial headline, your subheadline, your opening paragraph, your introduction to who you are, the story of how you got to where you are right now. By the way, a quick way of doing this is go for, mark down your greatest defeat and then mark down your greatest uh, victory and line out how you got from your greatest defeat to your greatest victory and put that into a narrative in your sales letter. Mm. Uh, the, the next step is quite simple. It's introduce what your product, you introduce your product. Step after that is talk about your product in a huge detail. A lot of people leave this step out or they tell you what it isn't. Blind copy doesn't work, people. It works for a short time, but it gets you on the radar of the FTC and other governing bodies around the world that will get you shut down. Yep. So if you tell people what you're, what you're giving them, what you're selling them, it's a much more honest way of doing it. Your conversions go way up and your refund rates go way down. It's pretty good business practice. Absolutely. Then come then come the testimonials, and the reason you put your testimonials here, not your bonuses, we'll cover that in a moment. Your testimonials are there. Then you have the price reveal. Why is uh, you tell them the price, and you tell them why the price and the justification. Followed by the justification, you tell them how to order. One of the key things I always tell people here is remove as much fear in the buying process as possible. If you tell people what's going to happen, they're okay with it. If you let people guess and wonder, they'll freak out and pump the brakes. So exactly. Like, yeah, people want to know exactly what can I expect. Exactly. Once you've done that, you will naturally start getting people to trust trust you and buy from you at a much greater rate. Right. So then what you do – go on. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say um, – so very quickly, just the last couple of points here is once you've actually, you know, done your whole justification, remove the fear, you have the guarantee, which is further fear removal. Then you have your bonuses in the section. Then you have a reclose where you tell them everything they're getting and how to order. Then finally you sign off. So those are the last three steps. But Brad, you were going to say something. I apologize. Yeah. So one of the things I was going to say, and I got this from Perry Belcher, um, which I loved. 
And it was one of the big things that I keep, I always remember in going back through my copy, like reviewing the copy that I write or the copy that a client has written, which is looking for the points of um, where I'm asking somebody to believe something. So like how many belief points? Because in essence, like what is a belief is something that I'm asking you to accept as true without proof, right? That's a belief. Because if yeah. you have a fact, then you don't need belief, right? So, um, and like like Perry Belcher, who's one of the partners at digitalmarketer.com, if anybody doesn't know, um, he's like, I try to get to the point where I'm not, I'm not asking people to believe um, any more than one thing that isn't substantiated with facts. Because the more you're asking them to just take your word for it, the worse off your offer is going to be. So it's a really good way to, to go back and say anytime you're making any sort of claim or anything whatsoever, it's like, can you substantiate that? And can you prove it beyond a shadow of a doubt? And it's been a really cool filter for me when I'm working with offers to go, um, oh, nope, there's too many belief points in here. How can I remove those and back them up with proof? Yeah, that's always the big thing. And that's the reason why when I say testimonials, you want to make sure that the testimonials are 100% legit because they need to be. Otherwise, you're asking for trouble. Um, but you're completely right. You have to be able to like actually back up the belief points there so you actually stop them from having to suspend their disbelief for too long. Exactly. No, I love it. And it's a, um, you know, there's a, there's a whole, there's a science to this. But there's an art to it as well. And I know the thing that I like doing is coming up with a big idea, the the hook. Uh, actually, have you ever read the book Great Leads? Yeah, uh, Michael Masson, a great yeah, book. I love that book. I love that book. i got to go back and reread it. But um, but coming up with those, those, those hooks and angles to get people to really consume what you're doing is super important. And I know you talk a lot about story selling and using stories. Uh, which is some of you know my favorite marketing as well, and I think it's, if I think it's uh, only getting more important as attention gets harder to get, because uh, the one thing that we know as a human species that gets our attention is a story, and it doesn't only get get our attention; it stays with us a long after we're gone, and um, or long after the interaction. And if you can get somebody to remember that story, to be able to repeat that story, and uh, you know, it just makes the the entire offer work so much better. So you use a lot of story selling, don't you? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's something I see as the future of what is traditional copywriting right now. Yeah. Because if we look at what's happening, I think, um, so I'm gonna give you guys an idea on this, and it's kind of one of the things that Brad and I did discuss very briefly, and it's this tendency that you kind of, once you've been in the industry for a long time and seen different things, you almost become the quiet trendsetter. So you start shifting everything towards one way, and then you start seeing everyone else come with you, mm -hmm. right? Uh, Brad and I had the same idea with podcasting, you know, in different places at the time. But the podcasts were pretty much to bring people um, joy, but also give them an idea of the person we were interviewing in a manner that, they were relaxed, it was the authenticated version of them, not this side of them that's like, hi, I'm Guru X, Y, and Z. It's kind of like, no, hi, my name's you know, Adel or Brad or whoever, and what we do is this thing. Uh, yeah, it's super cool, but this is all the other cool shit about us and how we get to the ideas that we create, what we do. So you kind of see, it, it, destroy, it destroys, almost, not destroys, but dispels that mystique that, there is a, that they're different from you, you know, that you're different from the people yeah. that you're hearing on this podcast. We're all the same. 
um, really, like some of you guys are amazing at who you are and what you do, and I've got things that I'm amazing at that are different. So what I'm getting at is that's a trend-setting section initially. Uh, the authentication and being the authentic influencer, that was a trend that, you know, way back when now is becoming popular. The next iteration, I'm going to say it live as an exclusive on your show, Brad, that anyone can listen in years to come, 2018, I said it here, <laughs> it's essentially everyone is moving towards this idea of story selling and they have been for the last, three year, last two or three years, but no one is doing it, practically no one is doing it in their copy. And here's what I mean. People, you need to be able to marry direct response principles, meaning shit that works from Gary Halbert, from Eugene Schwartz, from all these people, and combine it with a good enough story from your client's true authentic past in a way to create influence that is unmatched and unrivaled. And the way that you do this, that outline I gave you, Go back and listen to that because when you hit all those points and marry a story through that, like run your narrative through it and keep the direct response principles, you will see a much higher conversion than anything else you've ever produced. Yeah. Just simply because it's authentic, but you're hitting every psychological trigger point at the right time. Yep. And you know, it's funny about stories. Um, I was in a... This was, this was super cool. Uh, for those of you who've read the book Influence or Persuasion, Dr. Robert Cialdini, who is yep. you know, super famous, and I know you know who he is. And I got to sit in a small room. There was about five of us with him, and he was talking about um, – he was talking about these you know, stories but he was he, and the, those belief points that I mentioned. And he said, as a species, there are you – know, we're always looking – you know, our brain always looks for things to call, kind of call bullshit on and to not believe. We're like, especially in a sales environment, where we are subconsciously filtering out and waiting for the gotchas. Like, I don't yeah. believe you, right? So he goes, "There's only a few things. There's like three or four things. I've, I've got these written down somewhere, but off the top of my head, that it bypasses that automatic filter." And he goes, "One of them is images." Like if you show me a picture, like I, I can see it. Seeing is believing, right? So okay, boom. Um, music, which in this case, like I, I don't really know how it's applicable, but maybe it's like if there's a sad song and you're trying to make me sad, it's like okay, I just accept it. But the other one was stories, and that's the most yep. important part of this entire conversation here. Which is, he said, if if you tell me this product is this product will help you lose weight. That's one thing. Uh, if you tell me that, listen, I was this, I went through this, and you tell me your story, I'm, I mean, you know, exceptions aside, I'm going to believe your story. Or you tell me your story about how and why you got into something, my, it, it totally shuts off my filter, my bullshit filter, right? So it's a way through story, people will accept it as a fact versus a claim that you're just simply making. And um, I thought that was really interesting. I wish I think I've got the recording of him talking somewhere from my iPhone about this. I got to see if I can find it. If I can, I'll post it. But um, I love that because it's it's not only because it's more effective at selling, but one of the reasons is is that it, yeah, it bypasses the bullshit filter unless it's a yeah. completely bullshit story. Yeah, you got to make it believable and real. And the way that you get around that is by digging through your greatest defeat and how you got to your greatest victory. Yep. 
I mean, exactly. I'll give you an example. Like, there are some stories that are so fucking unbelievable that people don't believe you. And that's the reason when I did the suicide, you know, prevention. Jumping off a, like jumping off a yeah. seven-foot thing onto your head. I don't that, believe you. <laughs> I'm that, was the, that was the story that we ran with. And um, the way that I actually backed that up was I actually had the x-rays from the doctor that day. Um, I asked my doctor to send me the x-rays, and I basically posted a photo of them. And this is my ribs. Wow. These, like, I had two... two uh, what was it? I had two bruised ribs and a ton of excessive internal bleeding. The weird part of that story is I didn't actually go to the hospital until six hours after the incident because I went, I went home and the reason it was believable that I was bleeding and, you know, had scuff marks all over my face was I was doing Thai boxing at the time. Mm. So I just lied to my parents that I had just gone, like, had a really good round of Thai boxing. So they were used to me coming home with bumps and bruises. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go have a bath. I was like, my ribs really hurt, so I'm going to go into my bed. Uh, I'm going to go to sleep. And, you know, midnight, just slightly over midnight, um, I get up, incredible pain. I feel like I'm about to throw up. I run to the bathroom, and I start throwing up blood. Wow. And that, my mom is like, what's wrong with you? I was like, I think I got damaged doing Thai boxing. I was like keeping up the lie the entire time because I didn't want my parents to freak out. So, you know, my mom took me to the hospital, and they were like, yeah, you've got some internal bleeding and, you know, you got bruised ribs and blah, blah, blah. And afterwards, I spoke to my doctor, like, in private. I told him what happened and he was like, okay, make sure you don't do that again. And I asked him not to tell my parents, which he thankfully did. But when I was writing the story for this, the belief points were, that was the only belief point there was. I jumped off a building and I survived. Now, everything else that came up to that were all points, like, I repressed my emotions, I couldn't talk about it. I had these several issues that went around, and everything I said, the person on the other side, I can imagine them nodding their head and going, yeah, I can totally relate to some of this. I have felt this way. And that's what it is. When you use a story or an image, you can do it that way. If you're using a video sales letter, by the way, and I will give one touch on this because you mentioned it, um, study musical notes in the sense of where you can cut off. It. So each musical note, uh, so each bar runs on a bar of four, almost mm -hmm. always. And if you have like an inspirational piece and you miss out the fourth bar and keep repeating the first three, the brain is trying to wait for that fourth bar to kick in. So it'll yeah. keep your viewers sitting for a lot longer. That's a little sneaky tactic that you can use. The other is if you want someone to feel sad, downshift the tone to a lower, deeper bass or slow the music right down. So it could be like a happy song. You slow that music right down. It takes on a whole different tone. And you want to have that in your videos. No, so no. it actually changes the mood. So do you, on, on a lot of the offers that um, you work on these days, are you doing more work with uh, video sales letters and webinars versus uh, traditional sales letters? I work on all of them, essentially. Yeah, but I mean, are you seeing, are you seeing you know, videos personally converting a lot better? Um, not really, no. That's great. Yeah, give me one moment. Hold on a second. I've got like a friend of mine trying to call me like twice. I'm like, damn it. Um, call me. In. Sorry about that, guys. It's all good. Uh, all right, cool. So real quickly, what I was going to say was like, I see videos do convert quite well, but the thing is, is the type of video. If you're going old school direct response video, you're a good story-based sales letter without converter. Webinars are the same thing. Yeah. If 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 you run it like the thing with webinars and videos or any funnel type thing, 
establish a running narrative before you actually start creating anything. Because if you have a running narrative of emotions that you want someone to feel um, before, during, and after they watch the video and get to it, you will have a high conversion rate. Same with your sales letters. But I actually find a story-selling-based video sales letter outconverts a story-selling-based sales letter. Yeah. So video VSL that's story-based is will outconvert just a written letter. But, big but here, they have to have the principles of initiating and ingratiating a story to it. Right. And, you know, one of the things there, because, you know, there's a lot of people just say, you know, videos always convert better than sales letters. Well, not always true, especially because it, with a video, it is much more important because you're doing it in a linear fashion and I can't just scan down to the end of the page to see what you're offering. Like with the sales page, I can go, all right, I kind of like your headline. This might be something I want. I'm going to – everybody scrolls down, see what the bottom line offer is. And if it's like how to do X and that's X is something I want to do, I might be much more willing to give you the time of day because I've, I, I can kind of see the page. I like I personally hate video sales letters now because I just get me to the damn point, although I know that a lot of times it can be better. But yeah. um, you better have a damn good – you better be damn good on video and be able to create that narrative that people are going to pay attention, especially in a times – you know – time starved economy um, where people are just like get to the point already so yeah. um, it really kind of all depends right I'd actually take it further it's kind of like people are into that but if you're authentic and give them a true story that they can watch all the way through they will. that's the key that's what I'm saying it's like the uh, yeah. like that, that the story will hook them in and keep them to watch your video uh, versus if you're just sitting life. there making claims like hey watch this video and I'm going to show you how you can do X Y and Z and it's going to be super duper cool it's like oh, get to the point dude like you haven't engaged me but if you start with a uh, something a story it's like okay well you got my attention See, the, the, there is something that works that is, I'm going to make a prediction on this. It's going to keep working, but it needs to change. Otherwise, it's going to die. And that is the whole, um, our friend John Benson does this, where he yeah. kind of says, um, this is like, the doubt badass is one of the best ones that I've ever seen him do. And yeah. it sticks in my memory for years. It's like, this is a goldfish in the moment. I'm going to tell you why this goldfish is responsible for how many times you get laid or something like that. Yeah. Um, that's a great pattern interrupt. But if you watch the rest of that video, it's a really good story based around an offer. That's fine. Yeah. But to change that and make it even better today in your industry rather than going, this is a golf ball. And I'm going to show you how this golf ball helps you with your health and training. Instead of shifting, instead of going that route, you can actually just really start off with, it depends what tempo you want to set. So I'll give you an example with something I'm writing right now um, for myself, and that is, I'm actually opening in my self. Uh, I'm in the self-development market under a pen name, um, which you'll see soon enough. It essentially the opening words on that video are. It's just a blacked-out video that has a flash of light and then goes back to dark, and then all it says is, "And I thought I was in heaven." Huh. That is the opening of words, that, and I thought I was in heaven. And then it just opens up with um, the beeping sound from like um, a heart monitor and just goes into, when I opened my eyes, this is what I felt. Oh, and then awesome. it just goes it just goes into the whole idea of, you know, I've taken you from a point of, oh yeah, you know, I'm just gonna watch this video 
to you'll write that engage into a gripping battle of drama with me and then all of a sudden you're like i'll take you through the journey of how i overcame the drama and how you can actually do the same thing and how we can actually work together that's great yeah that's um, great. So, by the way if you guys want to really understand how to study stuff like this watch movies like tarantino is a master of creating di- dialogue oh yeah um just watch YouTube videos breaking down Tarantino's dialogues, and I guarantee you, you'll understand how to script really good copy. If you combine the story aspects with direct response aspects, you'll create perfect offers every single time. And one of the things I will say that if you really want to understand what to offer if you're lost, survey your marketplace. Actually spend a couple of bucks to survey them. Find out what they want. Find out what they're what they're not just what their pain points are, but what their pleasure points are, as in what they're seeking. Reverse engineer that and send it to them. Mm, yeah, it. the surveys and a- actually asking is—it's amazing what you get out of that. You know, one of the things that uh, I've done a little hack for uh, copy intelligence on clients' sites—I've done this on some of mine as well—which is um, which is immediately after they buy something online and before you give them the access, like the username, password, if it's a login or whatever, it just says, thank you, please, uh, uh, you know, please complete these two questions in order to proceed. And it's, and it's mandatory. They have to do it, uh, which is step one. Um, where did you, where did you, uh, you know, where basically, where did you find us? And this is a softening question. I, I could care less. I can usually tell by my Google Analytics or whatever, but I do want them to know, like, hey, oh, I, so-and-so reminded me or I found it on Facebook ad or whatever. And it's like, people are like, oh, cool. And then number two is, what made you decide to make this investment today? Or why did you decide to invest in this system today? And it's like one little line. And what's so cool about that is you've got them at that peak moment where they're still got the endorphin rushes and they'll tell you and in their in the language that they use when they did that, you'll often get some really good copy elements. Um, I used to be working with a real estate investor named Kent Clothier who sells a software about, uh, you know, how to find motivated sellers and whatnot online. And um, one of the pieces we got which is one of the lines, I'll just never forget it because it, it murdered it when we, uh, when we started to use it in our sales copy, which was, I'm tired of killing myself trying to find motivated sellers. I was like, wow, well, that's good yeah. languaging, right? Like, it, yeah, yeah. you get it. So immediately that became the, the subject of the next um, email that went out. Tired of killing yourself trying to find motivated sellers? Crushed it. Uh, started using that everywhere. And you know those other things that we use as well, but it's super cool because you just go through there and you might not use any of them, but every once in a while you're going to get somebody who, in their own natural language, is going to give you the best copywriting line you could ever use. And for their marketplace as well. And just as a quick tip, real quickly as well, if you want to get really good at understanding what your audience is thinking, um, so like first of all, understand your demographic of who you buy. You know, following Brad's example right there, then actually go hang out with them, like not the with the person that fill it out I mean you can do by all means but find that demographic so it's like if it's 25 to 35 hang out with a 30 year old that is into similar interests or in a similar marketplace and you'll find out exactly what the language is yep what they respond to and then reverse engineer that pop culture into your emails bingo bingo I love it well man this brings us to the uh, actual end of the show 
But um, I want to uh, not only thank you for being a guest, if people want more information, whether it's on your show or to potentially work with you, I mean, like, are you, are like, you currently do work with clients right now, is that correct? I do, but I'm really selective. Like, my dance card for the time being Pretty is cool. kind of full. So uh, the yeah. best thing for you guys to do, there's two ways of working with me uh, and getting in touch with me. Number one, I'll give you guys three links. Okay, so it's dead easy. So to work with me, find out more about me, check out the show and so on and so forth, it's just adulamarcy.com. Go there, check out the podcast. Brad's show will be up as well, so you guys can um, check that out when it comes out. Uh, and also, if you hit the consulting tab, um, you'll see how we can get on the phone for 15 minutes and how I can solve your business problem because I have this crazy little idea um, of how I can verbalize copy out of my ass, as you guys would have actually noticed on the show, pulling copy out for the fun of it. Um, so that's links one By the way, two, if you so. bitches had a podcast, you could get them on the phone for an hour. What? Keep on Yeah, going. exactly. <laughs> what? There we go. Yeah, just get me on. Like, that's another way. So hit me up on, on my site if you do want me on your show. Check out my podcast, Unplugged. So adelmarcy.com forward slash podcast or just Unplugged on iTunes. And finally, uh, this is a treat for you, Brad, for your guys, because um, I put your face up there nice and lovely as well. If you guys go to storysellingemails.com, I've done a 15-minute free video. There's literally nothing to sell on there. It's just a free video I want you to guys go through on how to structure your email sequences and how to structure your welcoming email. So your welcoming email, exactly what points you need to hit in order to get someone to actually be completely engaged with you, and then the outline of how you can actually write sales, sales emails and just influence emails over the time period that you have someone on your mailing list. Yeah, and I picture. I see it. Hells yeah, see, told you, I got you up there. So story selling emails, once you enter your name and email address on that page, uh, you don't have to reload or anything, it'll just unlock the content, you can watch the video at your own pace. I think there's a PDF download as well on there, so you guys can go through the PDF when and if you want to. Um, but yeah, dude, that's how people can get in touch with me, get to know me, get me on the show, and hire me if I'm available. I love it. Well, guys, I hope you have enjoyed the topics we've covered today with me and Adel, and I um, hope you've learned a lot. I mean, this is one you may want to go back through and take some notes on if you didn't write down all those formulas and points. Um, you know, offer creation and copywriting is a is an art and a science, and it's a very rare skill. I'm proud to say that I'm I feel I, I'm pretty good at it. Adel's one of the best in the world, so um, hopefully between the two of us, you guys have gotten a lot of value from this. And Adel, thank you so much for being a guest on the show today and for all of my uh, listeners. Subscribe if, the, if you haven't yet and send me an email if you have any questions or um, would like to offer any insights yourself or would you just like a second opinion on your offer and you know maybe you're stuck and you're looking for new ways to grow i'm happy to see if there's an opportunity to add value my email is askbrad at baconwrapbusiness.com and adel thanks again brother oh man thank you so much for having me likewise guys. guys talk to you soon see you on the next episode